Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is the Ocean Protect podcast, talking about the issues that face our oceans and what we can do about it. Presented by Ocean Protect, committed to change. So extrapolating this out, so you've obviously got these five 10 metre by 10 metre quadrants. So what does that mean for, I guess, Little Lord Howe Island, like if you extrapolate that across the seabird colony area? All right, so we estimate that the shearwaters are transporting and depositing 688,480 pieces every single year, weighing an estimated 165,000 grams. It's 165 kilos of plastic. 165 kilos is being deposited every year from these birds. Yeah, birds that are about the same size as a silver gull. Wow. So yeah, and like I'm just that, that, and I'm obviously I'm uh, plastic is pretty uh, a low density you know material, but yeah, if you look at that six hundred and something thousand pieces of plastic being deposited every year on this pristine environment by birds, it's almost yeah. Like when you, when you were doing this analysis on this, you must have been going, oh wow, this is amazing. Oh, I can't you know I can't wait to share the results. But at the same time, you're like, oh gee whiz, we've got a massive problem here. Yeah, definitely. I remember when I first calculated those annual deposition rates and I looked at my results and I was like, more. Oh, okay, I've made a mistake in my R code here. <laughs> this can't be right. Yeah. Yes, it's just ridiculous. And to think that, like, like you said, Lord Howe Island is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's protected by, you know, it's got some of the strongest protections in the world, yet this tiny little bird is bringing all of this plastic to the island. What do you even do about it? It's not like someone is intentionally going through the no. forest and dropping yeah. plastic around. It's not the people. It's it's these birds that, you know, they're meant to be there. They're, they're just doing, you know, just going about their life. There's some crazy numbers, but you mentioned it's mainly plastic fragments that are broken down from bigger pieces of plastic. Is that right? Like have you got, have you got a feel for the type of plastics we're talking about? Yeah, so it is 99. 8% hard plastic fragments. So from items from the breakdown of, you know, of larger items generally. We do often find things such as bottle caps, pen lids. We've occasionally found Lego. We find a lot of balloon clips. Um, so, you know, there's like little yeah, clips yeah, that you yeah. stick on for like helium balloons, all sorts of things. So are the birds mistaking these items for fish or, or are these items in the fish that the birds are eating? Why are the birds ingesting these plastic pieces? 
for a number of reasons. So the birds are either confusing the plastic for food because it looks like their food, uh, it smells like their food, or it tastes like their food. Uh, There's been a couple of studies that have looked at the smell of plastics. So once it's been in the ocean Mm. for a little bit, I guess it it gets like a little bit of like a biofilm on it. It's like sludgy sort of stuff, I suppose. And that gives off a really tasty aroma, I suppose, for the birds. And, yeah, they they go along and think it's food, which which is really awful. And are they, I remember reading that you, you see more white plastic than other colours of plastic. Are they, are they, is white plastic in particular sort of standing out for the birds or is it just more white plastic in the ocean or, or what? Oh, that's, that's a, I mean, I think you've sort of hit the nail on the head for both things there. So white plastic is one of the most common colours of plastic across, you know, the entire ocean. White is, you know, a very common colour of plastic. But also white is just a very common colour that we find inside the shear waters as well. Yeah, wow. It is, uh, it's fascinating research, but at the same time, it's obviously very scary. And you talked about how these numbers compare to other previous studies. Like, it doesn't almost make any sense. Like, why does, well, I guess the question is, why does Lord Howe Island have so much higher concentrations of, of these macroplastics relative to other areas? We don't really know for sure. So we hazarded a few guesses in our paper compared to, you know, other colonies. The shearwaters may be just uh, feeding in areas that have high concentrations of plastics. They might have slightly different foraging ranges. We don't have an exact answer, unfortunately, but it is really strange. So, um, yeah, one of the other studies that I was talking about, they found one piece of plastic in their colony and they were also looking at shearwaters as well. Um, that was on the coast of Western Australia. So those shearwaters over there, they forage in slightly different areas, I suppose, to the ones over in Lord Howe Island. Mm. But we don't know. Yeah. it's And I guess when I was re- – like obviously the, the, the flesh-footed shearwater is a burrowing bird. Is there a chance that – they actually might be actually depositing plastic in their burrows and you actually might have missed, you might be actually underestimating the plastic deposition rates in the colony area? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. One of the ways that they can deposit these plastics is when they uh, feed their chicks and spillage occurs and they could be feeding their chicks in the burrows. So if there's spillage occurring, then that plastic that's spilling out is going to fall into the into the burrow and because those burrows are so long and so deep, you know, we're not ever going to see those plastics again mm. unless we intentionally dig up the burrows, which we're obviously not going to do. So, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely say that we're probably underestimating the amount of plastic that they're depositing. And as I said earlier, we're not looking at microplastics yeah. either. So yeah. there is a very high chance that the birds are also depositing microplastics in their guano and you know, if we were to calculate that, I can imagine it's going to be in the millions. So. Yeah. We had a, a lecturer from the University of Utah, Janice, Dr. Janice Brani, on the show talking about plastic rain and the deposition rates of just even in pristine, like, uh, American national parks. And the numbers were staggering in just just from rainfall depositing uh, microplastics. But then you look at something like the birds, and obviously they're, they're consuming these potentially macroplastics, but obviously some of these macroplastics are broken down from other pieces of plastic, so it wouldn't take much of a stretch to go, 
Well, the macroplastics will obviously break down into smaller pieces of plastic and then obviously they become microplastics. So not just from rainfall deposition, but just by the digestion action and just natural breakdown of these plastics in the terrestrial environment, you'd expect that, you, yeah, you might be missing a whole bunch of plastics that come under the classification of being a microplastic, i.e. less than five millimetres. And I guess the other one that stands out in terms of, not that I don't want to dis- discredit your paper because I think it's amazing research, but another way of that the numbers might actually be underestimated is obviously when these birds, you know, potentially fly back to the island and unfortunately if they've got a whole bunch of plastic ingestion, they might die. But they're obviously not always going to die in the, in the, in the designated colony areas. They could die, you know, in the Lord Howe Island main street or anywhere really. So, and, and that, that area when you do your calculations isn't included in your numbers, is it? You're only sort of extrapolating numbers based on the, the, the seabird colony area. Yeah, so that was actually one of the things that we looked at sort of as well. So we measured the amount of burrows within each quadrat and what we tried to do was we wanted to see if there was any correlation between the amount of burrows within a quadrat and the amount of plastics that were also being deposited because one would assume that with a higher amount of burrows, you would also have a higher amount of plastics because there would be more birds frequenting that one area. Mm-hmm. But strangely enough, we found absolutely no correlation. Okay. We, we tried to work out, like, you know, why is this the case? Because, you know, you, you'd think that there would be a correlation. Mm. And, and one of those reasons is that maybe, yeah, the birds aren't always dying within their quadrat. Mm. In fact, they're probably not dying mm. within their exact quadrat. So... Like you said, they could be dying on the main street. They could be dying when they're on their way down to the beach to take off or they could be dying out at sea. Yeah, they could be literally dying anywhere. And then, again, when they um, produce a bolus, we believe that they do it once before they leave um, to migrate out to the Sea of Japan. And we don't know whether that's occurring, you know, immediately outside their burrow or whether, mm. you know, they wander at some distance and then they produce a bolus. There's a lot of things that we we don't know yet. Mm. Yeah, wow. Look, it's and obviously this is sort of, I guess, tinkering at the edges of the research and there's always more questions that come out of research like this. But I guess the overwhelming message is, you know, when, when plastic goes into the ocean and is ingested by a, a bird, I think a lot of people would just naturally assume, oh, well, that's, that's the end result. You know, that's the, the bird's going to potentially die or just, you know, die at sea or, and the plastic will, basically the plastic will, if the plastic enters the ocean, it's going to stay there in one way or another. But what essentially this research is showing that that's just not the case at all. Plastic that enters our ocean actually can and in, in significant quantities does come back to land. And then obviously that cycle just starts all over again. Yeah, absolutely. So previous studies have identified sort of four main sinks or areas where the plastics all go, I suppose. Mm. And that's biofouling. So when plastics, you know, grow algaes and corals and everything on them and then they will sink, Mm -hmm. it can be ingested by wildlife like we've already talked Mm -hmm. about. There's nanofragmentation. So when the pieces of plastic break up into smaller and smaller pieces and then they will gradually sink and then shore deposits. So washing up Mm. um, on beaches all around the world. And, you know, they've been the the four main sinks for plastics. Mm. But, yeah, with my research, I guess we're showing that wildlife or ingestion by wildlife is not the end point for Mm. these plastics. And especially with seabirds because they're such mobile animals, they can move huge distances. So Mm. 
was really sort of proving, yeah, that ingestion by wildlife is really not the end point yeah. for many of these plastics. And I guess another point, another sort of point to that would be, uh, the, the, this is one, one thing that we learned from Janice Brani on our podcast chat with her, was that, that she's described, and I might get this metaphor wrong, but oceans burping microplastics into the atmosphere and then obviously from there it can travel thousands of kilometers into uh, land environments and so yeah again like just you know whether the transport mechanism is ocean burping and wind and rain or wildlife plastic is often coming back to essentially us on land it's it's staggering it's it's really you know interesting research but i guess it highlights the the importance to actually just do something about this plastic pollution problem, uh, specifically stopping it from entering into the ocean in the first place and doing whatever we can to actually achieve that. In my opinion, I think that's the the most important thing that we could do right now is to stop it at its source. So if you can stop it from entering the marine environment or stop it from entering riverways or, you know, find ways to properly store and manage waste, so that we can stop it from going mm. back into the environment. By doing that, you then minimise, you know, the amount of wildlife that's ingesting it mm. or, you know, it, it, it leads to a numerous benefits. But, yeah, stopping it at its source is definitely the most important thing, I think. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I guess realize one thing we haven't even spoken about is actually the impact of that plastic being brought back on the into the terrestrial environment. Have you got a feel, and obviously this wouldn't be part of your research, but have you got a feel for the impacts of that plastic on the other terrestrial ecology on Lord Howe Island? Yeah, so um, that's, that's one of the things that I'll be looking at in one of my other thesis chapters. Once the plastics are within the soils on the island, it's been proven that plastics within soil can change the pH of soil, it can change uh, soil microbial activity, it can affect nitrogen cycling, it can cause a whole range of issues for soil invertebrates such as earthworms. And then on top of that, so plastics, as we sort of know, they contain huge amounts of chemicals Mm -hmm. or they're made up of chemicals. One of the things that we want to do is look at whether those chemicals that are associated with plastics and associated with the plastics that are finding themselves on Lord Howe Island, whether those chemicals are then found within the soil and found within the soil invertebrates and whether they're perhaps, you know, affecting the palm trees on the island as mm. well. So Obviously, the, the, the plastic when it's on the mainland can break up even further and whether it's seeping into this soil profile or, or essentially washing off 
into the adjacent ocean. It's sort of just that, that's, I guess, that cycle and the impacts just continue on. So whilst we focus, like you've indicated, whilst we focus on plastic, these plastic pieces often are a sponge for a whole bunch of other nasty chemicals. And then that's, that subsequent plastic can, can still break up and, and continue to cause damage. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful product, plastic, in that it's so, you know, hardy and, uh, you know, can withstand such extreme environments and, and still be almost, uh, maintain its form. But when it does break up, and even when it doesn't, it, it, it can cause all sorts of dramas to not just uh, wildlife, but us as well. Like I had a recent chat, and uh, this will be a podcast chat just before this one comes out with, with Jack Orty talking about the human health impacts of microplastic contamination. And oh my Lord, he, he, like, uh, I'm sure you know Jack, uh, Megan, but Jack's a, you know, lecturer at uh, University of Tasmania. And, and as a side note, must be a pretty amazing lecturer. But when he starts using terms like, oh, I'm gravely concerned about the human health impacts of microplastic contamination, particularly around, you know, potentially inflammation and, and brain injuries and stuff like that in terms of, you know, microplastics causing inflammation in the body and the body reacting and maybe, you know, impacting on our health in many different ways, including the function of our brain. It's just like, oh, my Lord, it's so scary. Honestly, it's so scary. But we obviously don't want to scare all our guests into a state of doom and gloom. So how can we maintain positive in this sort of, I guess, front of uh, ocean plastic bad news, Megan? So you know this bird, and you're 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 literally sifting through turds on on a remote island. But you strike me as a very happy and an enthusiastic and optimistic person. So how can you lift my spirits, Megan? <laughs> Tell me what, uh, we, what we need to do. Oh gosh, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it sure it, it really can be hard sometimes working in such a beautiful location, but seeing the destruction that plastics can cause on wildlife and. Yeah, it can be really hard sometimes. But I think the one thing that you can do is, you know, reduce your own plastic usage. And I know that gets chucked around all of the time. You know, people always say it. But I think the more we say it, then the more people are going to do it and the more that it will have an impact, you know, because change starts from from the home. And, if you know, if once you make that change, then hopefully bigger companies and bigger businesses will slowly start to see that change as well and then they will make those changes. So, got to start somewhere yeah we've talked about a lot about plastic pollution on this show and, and it is a scary massive problem but it's actually one we can readily solve the practices the technologies are ready to rock and roll right now there is a lot of uh, i guess almost onus on the consumer to go oh, do the right thing and minimize your plastic consumption but you're right with more and more people doing that in their day-to-day lives it's going to drive change across business so the likes of you know coca-cola and nike and adidas etc you know they're, they're not in the business of making uh, soft drinks and, and shoes or whatever, they're, they're in the business of making money. And if they know it's uh, financially worth their while to do essentially things that are uh, that their consumers want, and, and if their consumers want less plastic in their products or some sort of sustainable initiatives, whatever that might be, they will do that. It's as simple as that. They want to maximize their profits. And, and obviously, we can vote every time uh, as consumers, every time we make a purchase, you know, we're, we're voting with our dollar. There's a lot of onus on politicians doing the right thing, but we only get to vote them in and out, you know, once every three or four years. And to be honest, they're generally the same type of people anyway. So, uh, but certainly every time we uh, spend a dollar, we, we vote. Uh, and I think the more we can do to drive change in that way, the better. Uh, and, and we will solve this problem for sure. I've got no doubt. Absolutely. It was interesting you bringing up, you know, those those big companies like Coca-Cola and Nike. And I think it was Nike, they brought out a um, a shoe a little while ago that was made entirely of ocean plastics, which was 
awesome and it sold out super quickly. And then I think Coles within the last week, I think they've opened a store in Melbourne, I believe, where you can go in and you can fill up containers of, say, like washing detergent. Mm. And like they've got your, your brand, like I think Surf and, you know, there's other like washing detergent brands where you can literally just like fill it up from the tank and reuse your plastic bottles over and over and over again, which is awesome. Like we, we wouldn't have had that, you know, 10 years ago, but I guess all of these people who are, you know, campaigning for reduced plastics, you know, in our supermarkets and, and everywhere else, and, you know, at least Coles has listened. So, you know, maybe we'll start seeing more of those pop up around the place, which is awesome to see. We will, and I know as a as a me as a consumer, and I eat a lot of food. I put it that way, but I literally drive past Coles on my way to a, a bulk food shop because I know everything. I uh, basically I, I put in like oats and nuts and seeds and cacao nibs and all that sort of stuff. I put it in paper bags and just weigh it, and you know they they charge me for it. Whereas if I know I go to Coles, all that stuff's in plastic, and you know what, Coles just don't get my money. Simple as that. Uh, if they if they did what you're describing in Melbourne, hey, I might pop in there and spend some cash. But you know that's a that's a that's a bit of a message for for Coles. And actually, as a side note, my brother works for Coles, so uh, he, he should do something about it. So uh, Matthew, I know you're listening. Get on the uh, <laughs> anti-plastic pollution bandwagon for uh, Coles and do the right thing. <laughs> but yeah, right. Uh, uh, look, you're right. The solutions are ready to rock and roll, and and I think we will drive change with consumer behaviour for sure. Yeah, definitely. Wow. What a first chapter of a, of a, of a PhD, Megan. And, and obviously you, you touched on your future research. So you're going to look at, is, is that the next stage of your research? The next stage is really to look at the impacts on terrestrial ecology of these, of these plastic fragments. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we're looking at the beneficial impacts, which is sort of the nutrient side of things. But we're also looking at the negatives. So what sort of chemicals that we'll be seeing in the terrestrial ecology of Lord Howe Island. I'll keep that one under wraps. You didn't hear it here on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Is that essentially going to be the end of your PhD after that research sort of focus or is there other chapters or parts to your PhD? Yeah, sort of. So I had originally planned for three chapters. So the classics deposition one, which you know finished, the nutrients chapter, and now the sort of the chemicals and the pollutants mm. chapter. So there's nutrients and pollutants chapters. That's two, and then together with Jen, we kind of got excited, and now we're doing a fourth chapter. Hopefully, uh, we'll see how we go. See how I'm going for time, and they'll be looking at the microplastics in guano. We hope. Ah, yeah, that will be. We'll have to get you both on the on this little podcast to talk about that one because that that's that's fascinating. Because obviously you're looking at the bigger rather than five millimeter plastics, but as you indicated before, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of microplastics in this guano as well. So that'd be fascinating research, isn't it, about that? Absolutely. So that's and that's not just. So like, like you said, it was like uh, microplastics are smaller than five mil, which I'm sure we we might find pieces within those mm. sort of upper sizes. So sort of like between, I guess, mm. like one and five. Yeah. But there are going to be, I'm, I'm predicting there will be lots of pieces which are smaller than one mil. So yeah. fibres and tiny, weeny, weeny pieces. I think it's going to be quite scary, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, wow. Look, it's been a hell of a chat, Megan. I remember when we were sort of first setting up this podcast chat, you're like, oh, look, I haven't got much to talk about, but here we are. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now we're later. <laughs> I reckon we can yeah. keep on talking. Like, honestly, on behalf of the listeners, thank you so much for coming on our show and sharing your wonderful knowledge with us. Well done on your amazing research. It is really 
fascinating research. It's a great topic. And obviously, you've got a, a super team behind you, but obviously, you're doing a, a, a huge chunk of work for, for a first uh, chapter of a or first paper that's come out of a PhD. It's pretty impressive. Uh, so, and I remember reading, uh, I think, the literature review in your uh, paper. And gee whiz, I reckon you've referenced about a thousand papers. So you've obviously read widely. And every time you made a statement, there was about five references. I'm like, gee whiz, <laughs> Megan, Megan knows how to, you know, be absolutely 100% correct. So, uh, well done on all that research and work that you put into. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the second, third, and potentially the fourth chapter of this uh, thesis coming out. So, well done. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for all that. And thank you for having me on. It's been a blast. Looking forward to the next ones. I could possibly come out. Let's hope um, I get those thesis chapters finished, though. Yeah, within the three-year mark. (laughs) Yes, within the three-year mark. That would be ideal. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's It's a guarantee. Thanks for listening to the Ocean Protect podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us and what we do, check us out at oceanprotect.com.au.